Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And today, you are going to hear of a real-life success story. So on today's show, we were, we're chatting with Bianca Kennedy and Charlie Valor. Now, you will have probably heard Charlie on the show before, um, but... This is a very different context because what we are talking about today is we're talking about how Bianca and Charlie have been able to buy eight properties in about 15 months, which is just wild. Um, We talked through the journey, the thinking, the mindset, um, how they had to evolve as people to be able to get from where they are, where they were to where they are now and what that process was. We talked through how they got started and the timelines and the kind of some of the property numbers and stuff as well. So you can get a real sense of how that journey unfolded over the last 15 months. This landed and with eight properties in 15 months, which is just wild. That's more properties than most people will buy in in their lives. So if you really want to kind of get some insight into what it's like to scale a property portfolio quite quickly and what that can mean and how to start to think about how to uh, apply that in your own life, then you're going to really love this episode. So I'm not going to waste too much more time on the intro, but if you have anyone who's interested in building a property portfolio that is going to deliver them to a life of freedom, choice, abundance, prosperity, joy, and happiness, then I'd suggest that this is going to be a great episode for them to listen to. And of course, I encourage you to reach out and connect with us. Simply head to theinvestorlab.com.au, hit the contact page, reach out, and we can have a chat about how we can help you too. So without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. And I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me today are some very special guests. One of them you've probably heard from before, and his name's Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Goose. How you doing? Although no property and business today. No you property and business try. today. And but the other very very special guest, which people won't have heard before, and 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 who I really want to spend a bit of time digging into today is Bianca. How are you? Hello. Hey, Goose. I'm good. Good. Thank, thank you. Wonderful. Well, and you guys, for the benefit of the listeners, you guys are a couple and you guys have also been buying a bunch of properties together. Um, How's that journey been going for you guys? Yeah, it's been um, amazing. Nothing short of amazing. And as you may have picked up, I'm the looks and she's the muscle. (laughs) And that's how we've constructed uh, our relationship and property forefront. (laughs) Awesome. 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 Well, I really want to spend a bit of time digging into uh, what you guys have achieved because... Um, over the last 12 months, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have bought eight properties in 12 months. Is that right? It sounds bonkers and fake as you say it. And if someone <laughs> said it to me, I would say that's total crap. But yes. Yeah. Well, there are some nuances to it, but let's dig into that. I, I want to... The reason that... Can I'm, I just admit here, Goose, I did yeah. read the headline before we got onto the podcast and I'm like, now, are we telling the truth? There is eight. How many? Yeah, yeah we're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good. So, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's pretty awesome. We'll dig into the nuances of that and how that's um, transpired and stuff. Um, but I think that there's a lot of... I, I, I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of insights from you guys around, around how this journey has been for you and... Um, you know what you guys have gotten out of it as well, but why don't we why don't we zoom all the way out? Um, and I'd love to get a bit of a backstory a bit from from yourselves. And again, a lot of people may have heard Charlie on the on the show before. So so B, I'd, I'd love to spend a bit of time digging into digging into your background. So what before you started investing in property? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, and how did you get to where you are now? Okay, cool. So obviously I'm Charlie's partner um, and other people, if you listen to the podcast, will know Charlie from the business series. So he's a business owner and using um, profits from business, we're going hard on investing in property. We're supposed to be talking about you. Yeah, hold on. I was just framing that bit. <laughs> <laughs> so me, so my background, I uh, did accounting. So I'm an accountant by trade, I guess. And But I've also always been interested in and in into pop- property. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought my first property at 23. That was before I'd actually met Charlie um, and that was to live in uh, directly. But uh, I always was entrepreneurial as well and didn't really want to stay in a job. So I was interested in investing in property um, and I eventually went out on my own and had a bookkeeping and virtual CFO business. Um, yeah, so and then, yeah, we've gone quite heavily into properties where we're at now and that's where my main focus is now is in uh, the business that we have together and in our property business. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And Charlie, I I get this question a lot because a lot of people have heard you on the show, but nobody knows what you do and nobody (laughs) nobody actually really knows your background. 
and it's become a little <laughs> bit of a uh, funny, funny thing. They're like, so we've been looking up Charlie, trying to work out what he does and stuff like that. So why don't you give people a little <laughs> bit of background? Like, what's your what's your background? What's your story? And when I'd love to know also, when did you guys meet? B, you said you bought your first property at twenty three before Charlie. When did you guys meet? Do you still, ha- you know, I'm, I'm interested to get a bit of the background as well before we move forward. So yeah, let's do it. So um, Bianca and I met. I was actually twenty years old. Um, so a freshie, and I was actually a plumber at the time. So I, I was very close to completing a plumbing apprenticeship um, and going into being a qualified plumber. So we met, and uh, it's funny this thing that occurred for me is when you kind of find someone you want to spend a majority of your life with, you start to really uh, question things differently. So at that point in my life, I was someone who was really just living for the weekend. Mm. Um, the most important thing or two most important things to me at that time were my tan and my six-pack. Um, and that sounds so vain I hate saying that but it it was true and then I started to think about life a bit differently so when I met Bianca it was time to make a bit of a change and move into uh, online so I I could see in what I was doing that I wasn't necessarily going to have the time or freedom to spend time with Bianca or raise a family together so elected to make the jump uh, online so I've had a variety of businesses online so I I did eBay as my first business I was buying and selling things I like that business because it was simple. You've just got to buy things for cheaper than you can sell them. Mm. That's it. Well, it sounds sounds simple. (laughs) Yeah, I was terrible at it though, terrible. Um, And then after that, I had a a marketing agency online. So I'd worked out a lot of these online skills. I then had an outsourcing company for a bit. And then what I do today is I have a media company. So to keep it really simple and not overcomplicated is like I make podcasts and YouTube channels. That's what I do. Including this podcast. Absolutely. One of my favorites. (laughs) <laughs> totally. And um and B, so you bought the first property at twenty three. Yep. Have you so in, have you in still that, got that it was property? A- Where was it? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so it was in Frankston, South in Victoria. It was just a little two-bedroom unit. And yeah. in hindsight, it's so funny to think back because I knew nothing. I knew like signing loan documents and using equity from parents. So I had a real helping hand there. I had some uh, – my parents went guarantor. So the actual cash that I needed to come up with wasn't huge. Like it was still significant. Um, but more significant in hindsight was the weekly mortgage payments. But I justified that because I just wanted to have my own place and be living on my own. Um, yeah. But in hindsight now, yeah, you probably wouldn't put your, most of your weekly wage into the place that you're living. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, and, and th- that'd be a very interesting thing to dig into because a lot of people still do think that way. So knowing what you know now, why wouldn't you just pump all your weekly wage into the place you're living? Like, why isn't that a thing you would do? Well, the version of me now looking back would have still bought the place, but put potentially, but put tenants in. So I would have rented somewhere else or it had some housemates, but I was just so independent that I was hell bent on just getting my own place and whatever it cost, I was going to live in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. 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 So then um, only a few years later, Charlie and I met and we ended up living in that place and that place became ours together. And we did some things there, just some small superficial things. And then we ended up buying our principal place of residence together. So that was the very start, but that was right at that time was right when Charlie was changing from plumbing into business. So mm. we'd at that time we had two properties, but we, our income was quite low, and we decided, hold on, we actually want to focus on business. Not we weren't focusing on investing; we were just that's where we were at. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And so you bought your principal place of residence that you're still in right now. Right, okay. <laughs> and and you went and you went hard into business. Tell me a little bit about the the because I know there's a bit of an it was an interesting psychology around your principal place of residence, business, funds, money, stuff like that. Do you want to talk to that for a minute? Because I think there's some interesting um, stuff to unpack there um, that we then will reflect on how you think about property now. So mm-hmm. how do you, how were you thinking about your principal place of residence? How were you thinking about debt, profits, cash, all that stuff at that point? Yeah, so I, I must say I was quite afraid of debt and fearful of debt and didn't really understand it. Like I, I very much don't like owing people things. Like that is my uh, way of thinking in general. I will also say I didn't have much education on the topic, but my, my general consensus from let's say 20 to 30 was it's all about learning business and skills and just avoid property and debt as much as you can so you don't uh, kneecap yourself the mm. later parts of your life. So all we did was develop skills and then any profit we made, we just pumped into our mortgage um, because we didn't really have to learn anything about investing or buying other properties. And that was a strategy that served us very well. Like it, it worked because it allowed uh, freedom to make mistakes in business or swap businesses or, or work our way through it. And I found it very helpful. 
I would also mention that uh, growing up, my parents, I wouldn't say they're fantastic with money and they'd have their own challenges. Mm. So I very much wanted to avoid any type of financial stress or things that could cause challenges within our relationship. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So what changed, you know, so at a certain point, you, you, you ventured into business, right? Both of you guys have got uh, an entrepreneurial spirit, good good business acumen, and all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot of complementary um, benefits there. But you guys started spearing into business. Um, you bought your principal place of residence. You were pumping all your money into paying down the debt on your PPR. Yeah. So at what point did you decide? Hang on a second. We need to start investing in something else, anything else. You know, like why? Why did you stop on that pathway? Why did you? think that I need to start building wealth outside of business and and you know how did you end up with property? You take this one. Before we delve down that path, I'll just backtrack a little bit for a second. So yeah. at the time um I actually dabbled in being a mortgage broker for nine months, which uh I might be quite good at if I did it again now, but it was a disaster at the time. I had no marketing skills or ability to get leads or anything like that. And Charlie was only, you know, at the he was still plumbing at that stage. Mm. So what we did was once Charlie started delving into the online space, we went, well, this is where we're at. We need to invest in business and we need liquidity to feel comfortable. Like we've got all our expenses covered. We've got liquidity and just simplify it, just have one mortgage. So we let go of that first property, the unit. Yep. And yep, and so we made a little bit of money there and put that money into our offset account and that gave us the um, certainty that we're going to be okay, like we don't have to rely on making money right now from business to mm-hmm. survive. So that's, again, Charlie said, like, we don't like debt, we're quite conservative. So that gave Charlie the, I guess, confidence to really go down the path and not be thinking about, I need to make money right now just to put food on the table or provide, we, we're going to be okay, let's give this a proper go and try business properly. So, yeah, so that, that was that. And then... What changed? This is the, I love the answer to this because two things happened simultaneously that caused, <laughs> uh, really, it completely shifted me as a person and I suspect you <laughs> as well, say? is the number one, the most exciting one. Actually, I shouldn't say the most exciting one. I'll say the second most exciting one. The second most exciting one first was we paid off the house. There was no more mortgage to pay off. And the realization that once it's paid off, you can't just keep paying it off. Like that strategy (laughs) kind of ends. Like there's a limitation to that. And then secondly, we fell pregnant with our son. We accidentally paid off the house. Yeah. So we we picked up some skills. We focused on that and got some success in business. And then uh, Bianca fell pregnant with our son, Jack. And then it, it really shifted from, uh, for myself personally, I won't speak for B, it shifted from being about me to really about well, what are we doing for Jack? Yeah. Like how are we setting things up for him and his future and having the time to spend with him, which was important to us both, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. What, okay. So why, why property then? Because there's loads of, if you understand business, which you do, why didn't you just invest in other businesses or even in shares and stuff like that because of the the relevance to business obviously you you could do the analysis why 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 didn't you follow another or, or did you like how did you end up how do how did you end up making the leap to say actually we want to go pretty hard in property investing and how did that kind of start and, and where where did you go before that yeah that's such a good question so the, the short of it is we did actually try some share market things prior to that um, but there was two foreseeable uh, challenges I saw with it. One was the lack of leverage. So I really did not like that um, there wasn't the ability to create any leverage through debt. Thought that was a severe limitation and going to be quite a, a, a long game to play. Um, and then the second one that comes through that is that if you're going to do share trading, particularly, or buying and selling individual stocks, it's quite a time-intensive game to be good at it. And I did learn a lot about it and I enjoyed it, but I quickly foresaw that this is more like starting another business where I'm active within it more than having a more passive asset or thing. So I love specifically about real estate is one is less volatility, mm-hmm. the more boring asset class, which is suited because we have a business that provides all the excitement we need in life. <laughs> um, and then two is that the way the mechanics of it work is it's, it's very, very strategically geared to be a good long-term play with debt. So I, I liked both of those and thought that was worth giving a go. And then because we got some wins on the board, we're like, well, why would you stop? <laughs> totally, totally. We'll come to the wins in a minute because I, I, like unpacking how you guys managed to go from from a standing start to eight properties in 12 months is is going to require a little bit of 
exploration into what that looks like. Um, I'm interested, like, what's what's the outcome that you're seeking? Like, why? Like, what's the goal? Like, what are you guys trying to achieve? Yeah, we're actually talking about this last night. We've got maybe we'll cover this later in the episode, but um, for Bianca and I, we're very much revisiting that as a topic because mm. you end up in a position where there's so many things you can do. Yeah, and every time I keep coming back to this idea that it's like I want complete ownership of my time. Mm. Like I, I really want to have the freedom to spend more time with Jack or uh, w- whichever path we go. So I'm really looking to build a portfolio in which that it creates just opportunity and high amounts of um, freedom, in all mm-hmm. honesty. So not to be stuck or required to do any one thing um, and pursue other things, which I think is really cool. Yep. And did you guys put any, and, and B, maybe you can speak to this as well. Like, did you guys have any time frames on this? Because now I'm 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 kind of digging in because I know because I know you guys as well, right? So um, you got pregnant with Jack. You had Jack, um, uh, Bianca. You stopped your other business, right? Can I just add some? I'll add some info yeah, in there. Yeah, so basically, some in there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, we've like gone really quickly past a few years. So obviously, Charlie um, delved into online business, and over a few years period, is obviously we're making some money, and I still had a job at that time when Charlie yeah. was delving into the online space. So we're just very good at, I guess, being frugal as well. Like we didn't overspend. We just kept our expenses as they were, like food, paying the bills, whatever, um, minimum entertainment, whatnot, and just let all the money sit in the offset account. And that's how it built up over time. And that compound effect of principal payments happening, interest going down, offset account building up, but we weren't paying direct attention to that at the time. Now Now we're watching it like a hawk and we understand how it works. But back then we just... You know, we're just putting in the offset account and it's going to pay down the debt. That's the best thing we could do while focusing on business. Um, so then a few years pass and Charlie's, uh, you know, built a bit of a reputation and found what, what works for him and, and a high value offering that's um, very useful in this space now of podcasting. And so he started making some great money. Like so a few years later, after all the investment of time, resources, training, all that stuff that we did, like it started paying off. Now, Charlie saw this about to happen, like, you know, getting a few clients, a few more clients, building the team. I'm too busy being pregnant thinking about, I need to do (laughs) meditation for labor. And like, I wasn't following directly, what are we going to do with the money we're making? But Charlie's mind works that way. So he was from the get go, we're on a winner here. Like, we're going to do good in business. Like, this is, this is, I believe in this, I'm confident, which is a great thing that he has. Um, and it started coming to fruition. So he went very deep in looking at shares, property, where are we going to put the money that we make? Hadn't even made it made a lot yet, but we are going to make it. So that belief in it, and that's how he's glossed over there. Like we obviously considered shares, but his mind as well would get very into that. So it would become an active thing when we're trying to do something passive so we can focus on business and our family. Mm. So that's why shares out of the equation because it's yeah, Charlie would become a share trader. So, at what, at what point, <laughs> Bianca, did you get on the wagon then? Uh, so, okay, do you want to know? Honestly, our first property, Charlie um, put the offer in while the day I was going into labour. <laughs> <laughs> how? How? Hang on a second. How? How aware were you of that this was going on? Like, at what point did you get on the let's get my property wagon? So we've been together almost, is it nearly 12 or 13 years this August? Oh, my God, 13 years this August. (laughs) I feel like I'm finally understanding Charlie now when he says, like, this is the direction, like, we've discussed it, you're on board, okay, this is going to happen. I don't have five years to catch up. Like, it's going to happen, like, (laughs) quickly. (laughs) Um, So I was aware, like, I was staying out of the, like, I guess the research or the information, Charlie was just running with it because I still had my business at that stage and I was pregnant about to have a baby. So I knew what was happening, but I had really no idea of timing or that an opportunity would come up on this particular property the day that I'm going into labour. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, did I answer the question or did I can, I can I just clarify it? Did you submit yeah. the offer before? So, this is for you, Charlie. Did you submit the offer before Bianca started going into labor or after Bianca started going into labor? That's a very interesting differentiating difference. I will answer this in the way that I see fit. <laughs> I was deeply concerned that if we had the baby, we would find an excuse not to do it. So, I was yeah. like, we have to get this done before. Jack comes because you will be sleep deprived. Will be all these things. So it's like I okay. So was that, so was that was that before the labor started or is that after the labor started? 
<laughs> Probably before because technically. No, no, no. We, we were definitely scouting. We had an offer yeah. in prior. It's just that the um, negotiating the negotiating yeah. really heated up at that point. So, yeah. I mean, that was just co- coincidence, but I, I do think it was uh, very in our favour. It would have kind of sucked if it was happening the first week we had Jack because yeah. it's um, quite an experience, the first, especially the first week having a kid. Yeah. Now, when we come to lessons learnt later on, so that's one thing to put an offer in and get it accepted, but hold on, do we have the loan approval and have we done buildings, pest inspections? Like who's <laughs> going to run that department, which is my area, which we hadn't gone through that before, and now we've got a one-week-old baby and we actually are obligated to do all these things and get the finance sorted. So um, we've learned a lot about that. No, well, I've got to say, gonna say you're, not the only, you're, you're not the only couple to have had similar – like. Uh, one person that one person that I know actually missed his daughter's uh, labor because, or a bit, certainly a big portion of it, because he was frantically trying to get um, some some infrastructure work completed on the on the granny flat and, or that he was building at a property. <laughs> so so because he knew the lo- his ability to get finance was going to change the minute that he had a dependent. So he was frantically trying oh to sort gosh. that out and miss the. There's, it's what property does some wild things to people, particularly when there's babies involved. So. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, for us, it just um, it really lit a spark in Charlie. Like we're we're legitimately having a family now. It's not just the two of us, and that just drove him to go harder down this path. I'm interested to dig into that. Why? Why so hard? Like because you're not the only parents to have gone. Oh, oh! Now that we're starting a family, or now that we have a family, what are we going to be doing? What are we going to leave behind for our kids? But most people, most or oftentimes, you would see that 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 legacy building pathway might go over a 20-year period uh, or something like that. So why why did you feel such an urgency to like really pull that timeline forward? So this was on my part. I, I kind of observed a few things in other people. I'm, I'm much a thinker of like I like to see where other people have gone through this experience and make adjustments based on what they would have done. So I noticed something really interesting is that for a lot of people when they start actually finding some success in life, where it goes is their lifestyle, their mm. own lifestyle. And they miss this window to keep their costs low and invest in something that then gets the benefit of compounding. So I looked at this and said, for you know, everyone I spoke to was like, they seem to upgrade their cars, upgrade their house. And then at some point in their 40s, predominantly is when they started to think about investing. And in a lot of cases, they would buy too much house or too expensive a car. And then it forever seemed like a game of catch up and I, I looked towards that and I said, well, what if we keep living like we are now? And just to be clear, we're not living like savages or anything. Like we, have a, <laughs> we do have a nice lifestyle. It's just not an extravagant lifestyle. But I would say that I looked at it and said, well, if we can stay here and not really get that lifestyle creep and just pretend like we're on you know, the same as we always have been, that that's going to free up capital to invest more aggressively. And the earlier we're able to get that money in, and I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast have seen a compound interest calculator. Mm. you realize the earlier you start, the almost less you have to do. So I looked at that and said, I think that's the way to do it. And then the second thing I really looked at is everyone I spoke to, they always said the same thing. It's like, and I said this to my mom, I'm like, if you could go back to being 30, right? And you had the opportunity to buy houses, how many would you buy? She, and she looked at me and she said, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it seems like there might be something to this. And, and the more we started looking at it, the more we said, we realize it's a bit different. We realize we're probably outliers in the thinking, but I thought it's worth exploring considering the upside potential against this. So that's the way I navigated it. And then the mm. other point I looked at is most people in my, and this is just my opinion, I'm not going to say I'm right on it, mm. but I noticed this trend where it's like majority of people, most of their income came to servicing their own life. Yeah. So like they would really have, let's pretend, you know, they make really round numbers here. I'm not saying this is true, but if they made $1,000 a week, like 900 of it goes to their own mortgage, their own bills, their own food. And there's such a small amount going into that investing column that it never really gets the chance to breed into a life of its own. Interesting. So, okay. So th- that all kind of makes sense. What I'm interested though, because Look, what friction did you find when you were starting to go down this property path? And, I, and the reason I ask this is because I know from talking with you both um, <laughs> that you know at at a certain point the the thinking was that property is slow, boring, and expensive, right? Which is so. At what what changed and what friction did you like? What like what challenges did you face before you started getting started? 
Bianca, you mentioned that, you know, you hadn't thought about getting loans in place and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So what, like, what were some of the challenges before you got started, some of the roadblocks that you faced? Did you want me to speak to this? You take it. Okay. Uh, so challenges, roadblocks. Uh, so if the finance, having the finance pre-approval in place is like a big one. Um, and like, I'll even go back a step. So we said we put the offer in for our first property mm. the day I was in labor. So that was October, 2019. Yeah. Um, I hadn't done the 30 June tax returns. Now, like now in hindsight, like I get them done early July each year, like it's only been a year or so past that, but mm-hmm. I, the books were ready to be done, but I just hadn't pushed it and I was distracted, but not having the tax returns done, not really being all over all our personal and business numbers for lending. I was over them for ourselves for monthly reviews of the P&L and understanding our own money, but rolling that through to providing it to a mortgage broker, it going through the bank's process of review and then getting to a pre-approval and all the numbers being understood by everybody for that purpose, not for our own personal purposes, is a whole different ball game. And as we've gone on with each property, that is the biggest thing each time. It's the, the finance thing. Um, it's we'll get to working with you guys, but you're yeah. the fun part. <laughs> like you're <laughs> the fun part is engaging you, going through, you know, reviewing properties, deciding what to what to buy with you and your guidance, um, and then sealing the deal and getting the property, but then all the work that comes after that. So the finance stuff, and and it's not just the approvals, it's going right through to um, actual settlement taking place. So yeah. from, yeah, the settlement process actually happening, making sure you understand your own numbers and you've really got to, like we speak about it as this is our property business. This isn't, oh, we've just got a mortgage broker getting a loan and they're going to look after that part for us and be all over it. Yep. And then our conveyance is going to do that part and everyone will just tell us what we need to do. We can just sit back and relax now. Like we've done our part. No, you need I, to understand I, each I, step. Okay, well, let's take a little step back, right? So you, you bought this first property. Let's start digging into the properties, right? So you, so you bought this first property. You said you put the offering in October 2019. Mm-hmm. When, did that, when did that property settle? Let's talk about that property for a little bit, and then we'll kind of go through the, the timeline of the other properties you've purchased. How does that sound? So that one settled, I remember distinctly, 24th of January 2020. Yeah, 24th of Jan. All right. And the reason I remember that being painful is because we had a three-month-old <laughs> and this is the thing as well we'll go into, but we've bought in, we, we're in Melbourne, Vic, Victoria, so the properties we've bought, and they're not in Victoria, they're in other states. So, so other how, states- how did you get to that first property? Like, like why, how, why, what was the process? Because that property is in Port Kembla, right? Yeah, New South Wales. In New South Wales. So why, why did you buy that property? How did you get to it and why did you buy it? Charlie can answer that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll fill in the gap here. This is probably where the, Bianca was pregnant and I was dealing with some of these things here. Um, so we were doing the share thing and I was not thrilled with it. And then we'd moved into like, okay, property's the way I want to go. And the, the first barrier I came up against was really just understanding it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, uh, one, a lot of conflicting information out of there. And then two is that there's also many ways to play it. And I found this the most challenging thing is most people you speak to seem to have a black and white answer of like, oh, no, negative gearing's the way or, Developments is the way or cash flows the game. And many times we've spoken about this groups and it's like, for the right person, they are. So if you are this person and have this set of criteria, this is a great strategy for you. So I, I spent quite a bit of time trying to understand that. Like I'm going through and trying to understand the different points of view and really get educated about the different ways to play the game of property. Now, I was very fortunate. I met a different buyer's agent, a guy called Matt Knight. Fantastic human, great human. Um, and he helped us buy our first property and really kind of like started uh, walking me through how the dynamics of property work. And he helped us find this first Port Kembla property. So that's the one we went through from there. Um, definitely a deep learning experience. Um, definitely uh, very challenging at times. And uh, his uh, view on this one and what we bought and why we bought it was it was actually a subdivision project. Mm. So his kind of view was we were going to buy this, uh, do the works to complete the subdivision. There were already two dwellings on it but move this into being two properties and then uh, go for a refinance play to be able to purchase the property after that. So how did you... So as I understand, he was a local buyer's agent for that area, right? Correct. Why did you choose, why did you choose that area? Uh, he did. But how did you get... like? A, what made you zoom in on that? How, like, Was it you found him first? Is that what the thing? Yeah. So, okay, right. Okay, got it. Okay, so, so you, met, you met Matt, right? 
And then yeah, he's, funnily enough, I met Matt at a marketing mastermind. So he was working on marketing his business and I was there as well working on some business things for me. And it's, it. he was the most trustworthy source in the industry I could find. So I went with, this has got to be the starting point. Cool. Awesome. And that probably worked out pretty well for you though. I would say definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're very grateful to Matt and to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, all right. So let's keep, keep talking us through. So you, you, you met Matt, you bought this property. It was a subdivision project. Let's keep walking, working through the timeline. What happened next? How did we, how did you get onto property number two? How long did that take? Um, what was the process from there? Yeah. So our anticipation was that we'd be able to get this property and get a subdivision done in six months was the ideation behind it. Um, no new buildings were required to build. It was more, how can I put this? Pushing papers, bureaucracy had to be done. Yeah. Um, the, it didn't work at all like that. COVID hit and the world changed and the process of getting that subdivision done blew out. It took almost 12 months. Um, so we were working away and we'd always kind of worked with the idea of once that one's done, we'll do the next one. However, with the way everything was coming through, we were like, this subdivision may never happen at this rate. The councils were shutting down. People were just not answering phones. It was a very frantic time uh, to be doing this type of thing. Mm-hmm. So then we decided that, well, if we can get the finance, we'll start approaching this and we'll see if we can start doing another one. Now, very fortunately, uh, things had gone uh, well for us in business and we were still chugging along. And that's when uh, I came across you guys. That was the first of our encounters. Um, so I saw actually a few Facebook videos online and we'd had uh, some business dealings before. So you'd actually mm. uh, worked with me on a previous company I was in with staffing. Yep. And I was like, I was watching these videos and the messaging it struck me. Like I was like, this is, this is what I'm trying to do. Like I, I can see the articulation of the vision I'm, I'm trying to create here. And I hadn't heard it in that sense before. So uh, we connected at that point. And what was that? Can I just jump in there? What, what, what was it about what we do or that, that spoke to you? Like where, what connected that vision? It makes no sense to me at all to buy a property to lose money. Mm. Right? I, I'm not saying that negative gearing doesn't suit people upon further investigation. But I've got a very business mind, and when I saw this and I was rolling it through, and I'm like, "This is the first uh, property I'm seeing where it's like, it like actually makes sense. Like you buy this thing, and it makes you money through the yield. It's able to service itself. Like you don't have to contribute uh, business earnings to it once it's in there." And I'm like, "I like the idea of this. I feel like this strategy suits where I'm trying to go much more strongly." Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So that's probably a, that's probably a good segue into the into the next property, property number two, because that was I gotta say that was a bit of a cash cow, the screamer. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, if the subdivision, and admittedly, like I was distracted, so I in a different space and time, maybe the subdivision would have happened sooner if I had been yeah. on my part and pushing things sooner. But um, to our benefit, it took till December, like twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And um, by then, it had had a year to get some capital growth in it. Uh, so the value that came back on that was quite attractive and was able to be used for um, future borrowing. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, okay, so whilst that whilst that whole process was going on, you yep. guys thought background. You, you guys didn't wait for that subdivision to happen. You didn't end up waiting. The original plan was like, let's wait for that to happen, and then we'll kind of use the capital uplift to fund. But subsequently, that was taking ages. We met and we thought, okay, let's get let's get this show on the road. Let's get things started. So that kind of then got us on to um, our first property working together and the, uh, and your second investment property in your portfolio at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which is a property we bought in the Central Coast. Um, do you guys want to talk to that for a little minute? Like, how did you t- tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this was like middle of pandemic. Like, this is like the brink of it, and I, I remember having the idea. It's like. If you're not in the Warren Buffett quote of like, if you're not willing to make moves when there's blood on the street, like you're never going to reap the rewards. And I had this running through me that this is either going to be the worst decision of my life or the best. Um, and it turned out pretty well. But I, I, in that time, there was such a challenge in getting deals done that many people were just avoiding it because they weren't sure of the world. Yeah. And business was still performing well. Like I must say, I am one of the beneficiaries of podcasting and YouTube has taken off enormously since the pandemic. So the way I looked at it is that a lot of people from the offline world are going to come online. I think we're in for boom times in the industry. We're in a strong position to act here. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason why we would be uh, restricted or have any issues there. And it turned out based on how we were doing in that department, finance was possible. So we pulled the trigger on number two. 
Yep. Um, which did you say the suburb or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Was- so I think I think I said Central Coast, but that was in San Remo in the Central Coast, right? Which incidentally had a lot of um, was on the receiving end of uh, a lot of benefit from the pandemic as well, because a lot of people were moving to to lifestyle areas. So um, that property uh, has grown by just over twenty percent in the last nine months, which is pretty wild. With an eight point three percent, it's absolutely mental, right? So it's grown by twenty percent on an eight point three percent yield as well. Um, did you think that we're going into it? Do you, do you think you were going to get those kind of results? As long as the numbers made sense and it was cash flow positive, we were happy. We weren't expecting or hoping for any short term massive capital gain. Um, yeah. So for that to have happened, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, much to B's point, I was taking a much longer view. I wasn't mm. particularly chasing short term wins. I'm like, sweet, 20 years. No yeah. one look. Close yeah. your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we weren't trying to Yeah, we weren't trying to get like quick equity growth to jump on the next one. Like mm. we know this is a really long term play and the numbers are great. And that one, San Remo, is actually uh, there's a granny flat on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a house, a granny flat, and there's actually three separate tenants on that property. So yeah, the yield's like very attractive and it, yeah, it was a great buy. So um yeah, we're just and that settled in August twenty twenty. Okay, so so Port Campbell settled on twenty fourth of Jan twenty twenty, yeah, and then um, San Remo, which was number two. When did that settle? That was August. August twenty twenty. You guys, I think, put the offer in in June. I think it was, or it was all starting yep. to happen. Yeah, mid, mid right smack bang in the middle of the pandemic. Okay, yep. so what? And then property number three. Tell us about that. So this is the point. Addiction kicks in. <laughs> this is this is the moment. <laughs> And meanwhile, I'm I'm surviving each settlement. I'm surviving each settlement and and loan approvals and going okay. And then, but the once things have settled and you look at what you've done, and if you can go again, it's like, well, hold on, why wouldn't we? Like, yeah, I would say this is the point where like we started to feel a little bit more educated. Yeah, like we felt like we started to understand the process and the dynamics and the factors that go into it. And then the timing of things is that finally our subdivision was done on property number one and we'd had a very favourable outcome. Yeah. So we're looking at this where we suddenly had opportunity to use equity or uh, bring force from here to keep going and we looked at the environment and said, well, th- this could be a window of opportunity like no other, the way things are panning out. And, and it's turned out pretty well in that department as well. So, And then one more thing I will just flag here is from this point onwards, the lending side of things just got substantially harder. Mm-hmm. Like we noticed that the banks really started to get smashed, not through um, just you know our circumstance, but they were getting refinances through the roof. They were struggling with their offices that are offshore and if they were open and working from home and all those other things. Yep. So the deeper we got into this, the more challenging we found that component. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so it's a very interesting kind of like polarizing dichotomy. You guys are just building up momentum and going, okay, hang on a second, let's go into this a little harder. But also at the same time, you started facing a lot more friction along the way as well. Yeah. So, um, I know, I know that this, Charlie, you said this is a point at which addiction started to kick in and you started to start get a little feverish. I know that because of been hanging out with you for that for all, through that time. Bianca, I'm, I'm interested to know at what point, because I know you've taken a real front seat in driving this portfolio uh, now as well. Like this is a real, a real big part of what how you're spending your time and your like you're massively involved. At what point did that transition start to happen for you? Well, uh, I guess in hindsight, it should have happened for me sooner. Like I should have like dropped um, the ball on. I was still running my business at quite a high level at that point and juggling being a mum, and I underestimated. I guess. Uh, like with um, Charlie's business uh, success where he'd gotten to, I, I don't have the same ability to see where things are going. Like I am sort of get caught up in achieving t- more task-oriented, I would say, rather yeah. than visionary. Um, so it's like, okay, we've done this property. Oh, good. Okay, it's all done. Okay, we're doing another one. All right, I know what I've got to do for that. Not thinking another step ahead of how ca- what, what could I spend my time on to prepare for to make this a better experience for us and to, to know where we're really at moving forward. So I could have spent a lot more of my time and resources on being prepared for um, things as we went along. But uh, basically from December 2020, so December 2020, it basically took me a year to really let go of things that I was working on to uh, really step into this space as a more, uh, not full-time because I'm obviously a mum, but it's where I spend my my part-time, I would say. 
Yeah, awesome. And so that was that was right around because it was around. When did we start? When did we buy this next one into Toowoomba? Do you remember when that settled, or when did we start that process? I feel like we started it either November or December. It yeah, was so, right near Christmas again. So that would have been right around the time that you started to shift your focus towards this too, then, Bianca. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Okay, cool. So let's go through the numbers really quickly because uh, there's a few more that I want to tick off, right? So we've got the first one was in Port Kembla and that settled on 24th of Jan. The second one was in um, San Remo and that settled in August uh, 2020. And then the third one was in Toowoomba. Now that's uh, that again had a gross yield of or has a gross yield of 8.2%, which is pretty sweet. Bonkers. <laughs> uh, and again, that, that was uh, a property with the granny flap. That's got two separate tenancies on that property, right? Yes. Yep. yep. Awesome. And since you bought that one, when did, the, and when did that one settle? So that one settled. So when did we buy it? We put in the offer, I think, somewhere in December. That settled February. So things happened really quickly here when we get to the next property, but basically we ended up crossing over buying the next two properties at similar times. Yeah. So it settled, I think it was the 24th of Feb. It was a similar date. 20, to the 2021, right? Yeah, 2021. Yeah, okay, awesome. And since then, in the, in the last three months since then, that has grown by eleven point nine four percent, so basically twelve percent in three months, which is, which is not bad going. Okay, and things really did start to speed up a fair bit here. So, <laughs> so, so between, so we've, we're up to three properties, and there's a total of eight, and we're already we're already down to three months in settlement. So, what happened? Like, how did we get into the next one? What was the process there? What was the timeline? Let's talk to that because that's where it started. I think this is where it started to get really quirky. In my, I would say. So this is an interesting one. I'll share a point here. I started talking to my uh, mortgage broker, Aaron, and basically uh, what I realized that happened here based on what we were doing is we'd gone from this period of the banks hating us because I'm a business owner, not a lot of uh, other assets beside our home, to this area where like banks love us. Mm. And um, suddenly the lending changed from like the amounts we could get and how fast we could go because of the results we'd gotten so far. So that really excited me because it, it meant that we could keep pressing on here. So I remember we, we got to Woomba and I was almost, I don't want to say upset, but I was like, it wasn't big enough. I was like, this isn't going to get us where we're going to go. So we're going to have to do two. So that's when we put on the uh, next one and I'll, I'll cut you off here, Goose, and go, this is where you guys got that next one, next one for us really quickly, I will mention as well. So we're doing kind of two at once and we went to Townsville. So another suburb of Queensland. Yeah, and tell how did, how did, run, run us through some of the, the performance in that. What is it? Tell us a little bit about the property. Tell us about some of the numbers. What's happened with that one? So this is actually one of my favorite ones. Um, this is, and I'll express why is because this is one that had been overlooked by many people for not understanding it. Mm. So this has got three tenancies on it, but I think no one was paying attention to the site plan. I actually think there's potentially another granny flat to fit on it. There is, um, yeah, which yeah, is just, you can fit another unit on there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really interesting that in the way that one got, I don't know why, but particularly overlooked by the market and the style of property, and it just fit our criteria perfectly. So I, I, this is probably, I'd say, oh, top three for me. I do have a lot of favorites. They're all favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this one's, this one's pretty unique, right? So it's three separate tenancies, so it's three separate units, right, uh, on, one, on one title, okay? So this is property number four, okay? This is all one title. Um, and that's, and you're right, that was, I think the reason it was overlooked is because it's a little bit more complex, right? So I think a lot of people when they're investing is they just want, I just want to buy a house, just want to buy a house. Um, but the, the yield on this is awesome. So tell us, talk to us a little bit about the yield, talk to us about the, the growth, uh, all of that kind of stuff. How's this one worked out for you? Yeah, so I have to give credit to Nick on this one um, because he foresaw that the rent being charged on this property was actually under market value substantially. Mm. So I think a lot, and this is where the overlooked part of it came is like, I don't think the yield was actually that great. You just looked on the surface, but because there was three tenancies and basically all of them went up substantially in rent straight away, it went from being a mediocre property to a, a nine percenter, like upon entry. Mm. So for us, that was heavily uh, favorable in the way that all laid out. And just again, real big credit to the team at Dashdot for just foreseeing that uh, overlooked component of the deal. Yeah, totally. So, and look, the jury's out exactly on how much this has grown, but we did get some independent valuations on the three separate units, which would imply that they've been strata titled and they haven't. And there's a little bit of an area <laughs> of there where some, you know, this is it. But 
we did get bank valuations on each of the individual units there, and it came back at uh, it basically if we add up the total value of each of the individual units, you've made about a fifty percent growth on that. Let's be a little more conservative <laughs> though, but that's um it's pretty wild that like you've managed to get something that's nine point one percent yield and you know significantly double digit growth just in the last couple of months as well on that one. So, um, but you're right. That, so that was when did that one settle? Because that was that we were buying that at the same time at the same time we were buying this Womba one. So when did that one settle? So Townsville settled. So that was Feb as well. That the Townsville and the Toowoomba. It's like one week apart. They were literally. <laughs> they yeah. It was it, it was quite crazy at the time managing the two happening at similar times. But um yeah, it was both Feb twenty twenty one. So how did we get from four to eight? Well, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get a break again, but no. <laughs> Do you want to talk us through that? How did we get from four to eight? Because that's pretty quick succession to go from like it took 12 months sort of, or it took a fair, sorry, it took a fair while to get the first one going. And then it, it's consistently sped up since then. So you went, you know, the first property was January, the second property was August, and all of a sudden we got two in February, and then we go from from four to eight. So do you want to talk to that for a minute? How did how because this is where it gets interesting because now how did you get how did you add four properties to your portfolio? Could, could I just say, um, well, you can add in as well, but so at this point, as each one is happening, we're in very close contact with our mortgage broker and we're making sure because uh, the nature of Dashdot, so there's equity growth, but there's also positive cash flow. So the properties mm. cover themselves, interest and, and all the expenses. So that going into the mortgage broker's calculators and making sure you're communicating and they've got everything up to date and you're getting an idea of your next pre-approval is what allowed us to move so quickly at this point. Can, um, can, I, can I ask a question on that, Bianca? How did, yep. the, how did your mortgage broker react when you had bought three properties and they had an, uh, two of them were over 8% yield and one was over 9% yield. What was, the general, what was the general consensus or feeling when you were going to talk to them about finance on that basis? Um, I think, well, <laughs> now that this is done, we're at this point and it's all very clear and it's in spreadsheets and we're all on the same page. It's like things were happening so fast. I think we were, it was almost not, there wasn't time for him to sit back and look at our portfolio and really notice overall what was happening he was just keeping up with the pace of us at that point (laughs) (laughs) to to your point though uncommon very uncommon he hadn't seen this before like his a lot of the clients he'd worked with had been like they hadn't experienced yields or growth like this before Mm. so it was unusual for him to be getting service serviceability come back so quickly Mm. because of the numbers that were being inputted it was like almost cheating the bank calculators on borrowing because you had the numbers that he hadn't seen before so it kept getting better yeah, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, because instead of waiting for new tax returns and showing that you're earning more income for the next financial year and just relying on that, you're buying these positive cash flow properties that are acting as real-time income increases from the bank's perspective to, oh, sorry, give you more lending. Um, so I just hit the microphone. That was Charlie's nightmare. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's taped. Before we started recording, Charlie, you called that out. Is like guaranteed you're going to be hitting... <laughs> So um, as some of you are watching the video would know, and for anyone that knows any uh, Greek people, is they don't speak with their mouths, they speak with their hands. Um, and uh, when Bianca talks, she's waving this around. So before we started, Goose is looking at me sideways like, what is Charlie doing with this tape? I'm like, I'm going to tape this microphone into position because guaranteed Bianca is going to hit it and she's just absolutely clobbered it. We're still, we're still here and we're, we're going. Still, we're still good. I'm still finally good. getting good. excited. We're, we're nearly up to the last one. We're nearly actually good to <laughs> So we're nearly up to the last one. Bianca, do you want to talk us through the last one? Because, because okay. yeah, talk us through the last one. Tell us what happened here. Tell us, talk to us about that. Uh, so this one, again, I guess Charlie was was driving and having, like, again, the Ford looking like we can, we can potentially go again. We should at least explore it. Like, what are our numbers? And by this time, I'll just say as well, the other investments to this point are in our personal names. Mm. So by this point, we're a few properties deep and we're also learning more and getting exposed to more um, knowledge and the way, because we're thinking you're going to get, people would get stuck. You can't just, we can't, we're on a good run here and we're lucky that we've been able to do this, but this isn't going to continue. And we, you don't get the real growth at the time. Like you can't borrow using the growth along the way instantaneously like this is now in may we're saying they've all grown by these amounts so we're like how do we not get stuck or or what other options or how do people have 100 portfolio properties 
So Charlie and you, Goose, went quite deep and started delving into trust, these Mm. trusts coming up. Why are people borrowing trust? Why would you use trust? So uh, this all happened quite quickly, but we started exploring trusts and and why would we use that? Could we use that? Um, And so this next property that we're speaking about is actually in a trust, not because we couldn't get the personal lending. We could have still done that. But did you want to speak to that for a moment, Charlie, about the trust? Well, much to how my mind works in general and why we've done this is I went and found people that were further along Mm. and it was a common thing that kept coming up. Mm. And despite most of them not being able to explain what a trust is or how they use it, (laughs) they all had them. So, um, (laughs) which I found really interesting. I found it so interesting that I could have so many different explanations of why they're doing it and uh, a huge amount of uncertainty. So I actually spent about a week of my life just really digging into this to try and understand it on a deeper level to know if it's a move for us or not, and came to the conclusion that in the long term of things, it's a very wise decision. And I know we've done another podcast on that. I won't go into that uh, for now, but in our circumstance, the trust starts to become a more important play. So that came into place. And then uh, working with the team at Dashdot and yourself, Goose, again, is that uh, a certain unique property come onto the market where it was actually four. So it's a block of units that is actually separately titled. So the opportunity to buy four at once came up from the same owner. And I really liked this because if a deal makes sense for one of them, why wouldn't it make sense for four of them, Mm. apart from diversification, which we had in other areas? So this deal came up. Again, I'll have to give a a special shout out to Nick because I feel like he really, really uh, went deep to understand uh, how this one could be done and how the finance could be put together as well. Um, because of the nature of it, to not strike into commercial and work with our residential lending and a whole bunch of other factors. So that was um, really, really awesome. And then that was the one we ended up picking up. Yeah, totally. And to to that point, just on the commercial lending thing, because this property, it's it's pretty unique, right? So this one's in um, this one's in Bundaberg, um, which is which is awesome. It's a really really great spot. The thing that makes it unique is that it, it is four separate titles. So typically, for most most of for most lenders, anything above three units on one title is you go into commercial, um, which makes the, the lending a little bit more disadvantageous and all of that kind of stuff. But what uh, what we were able to work out was that because they were on four separate titles, we could essentially get a couple of different loans and structure in a way that you could still get it on residential lending. And so, so now you've actually got four independent titles that are all yielding, you know, collectively at just over seven percent. Um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty unique deal. Did you ever think that, like, when you were starting, if you go back twelve months ago, did you think you'd be buying properties like that? Well, this is where things get particularly interesting to my comments earlier is like, it appears to me when you talk to most people about property investing, even people in the game, yeah, they've got an opinion and view on what it is. And they're unwilling to look at things outside of that or unprepared to go through it. And I've always had a more broad view of accepting that there's so many unique opportunities available. There really are, particularly if you're someone who's willing to uh, do the grunt work or your team's willing to do the grunt workers. So there was... I didn't even know these types of deals existed. I would have almost called BS on many of them earlier on in my journey um, because I just wasn't educated or aware of how that all all came to be. But nonetheless, I'm thrilled with how it's all come together. There's so many steps within this whole picture that it's like if one thing didn't fall a certain way or one opportunity didn't come through, we didn't seize that property that um, we wouldn't be here with what we have today, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a unique, unique deal. So when we say eight properties, that's actually we sort of managed to do it in five transactions ultimately, right? Which is yeah. which is yeah. pretty cool. But if we go back, so the first one settled on twenty fourth of January. So it's actually I think we said at the start it was eight properties in twelve months, but it's eight properties in about six, fifteen, sixteen months, right? Uh yes. Yeah. Don't which quote is, me on any of it. Which is no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm working. I'm doing the maths. It's 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 eight properties in about in about uh, fifteen months. So, which is pretty which is pretty wild. So, I guess the natural question is like, what? Firstly, I got a few. I got a couple of questions. I want to know what lessons you've learned because um, most people you've bought more properties in the last uh, 15, 16 months than most people will in their in their life, right? Um, so, I'm interested to know what lessons you've learned. Well, I'm also interested to know what's what's next for you guys. Like, what do you what do you want? Are you are you just going to keep going at this pace? What's the what's the how does this play out for you? 
It's a great question, Bianca. How do you want to answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we will not continue at this pace. Um, maybe, maybe. Don't hold yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we actually did say it was only probably three weeks ago. It, time really does go very fast, but um, especially living with Charlie <laughs> and things change. But we said after that last settlement of Bundaberg, let's just – Let's just have a break now because it does, you know, it does play on your mind. You are thinking about it and that you do have responsibilities once you purchase something to see it through. Um, and and you, d- I think you've got to give that some context. We had a brutal finance experience on the last property. And I mean, I mean, brutal. Everything yeah. that could go wrong went wrong. Um, and we got left in a position where um, we were exhausted yeah. in summary. There was so much bureaucracy and back and forth with banks and justice of the peace and trust uh, guarantors and documents and branches and like it was utter chaos. Like I wouldn't wish that upon anyone in property. Mm. But after it, honestly, we were exhausted and just wanted to relax for a bit. And we're like, I, I think like every uh, person who's ever had like a drinking bender, it's like, I'm never drinking again. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm never buying another house. That's it. I'm living on a beach in a tent. Like we've done enough. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, it was a very, very um, emotional experience as well. And like, um, we were, th- we were thrilled to go through it, so uh, I'm quite a fan of that. But to the point of what's next, we, we've thought about this a lot probably in the last week or so particularly. We're, we're really tossing up between do we start to endeavour to re- improve our lifestyle, which mm-hmm. is something we looked at now, like maybe it's time to do the principal place of residence and enjoy the home we live in a bit more, or um, do we keep progressing on this path? And I'm a, I'm a bit of the view if like something is working, why would you stop doing it? Like, how do you come to terms with that? But that's how I think I'm thinking about the topic at the very least. Yeah. No, I would say the same. We've we've toyed up since that last settlement. We probably had one week of just trying to chill and not talk too much about it. But yeah. um, And then, Goose, actually, you sent through <laughs> the growth in all the properties. <laughs> was that strategic? Yeah, uh, like, oh, it was worth it. It was, it was worth I, it. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't specifically strategic. But in terms of, um, I'll just read out some of the numbers for, for, the, for the benefit uh, of the listeners, right? So across the four properties that we've purchased with you guys, so the one in Central Coast, one in Toowoomba, one in Townsville, and the one in Bundaberg, the return on the capital invested. So Central Coast has had a 55.8% return on invested capital. Mm. Um, the Toowoomba properties had a 43.9% return on invested capital. And that's just in, you know, all of this is in less than 12 months. In that case, it's in about three months. Townsville one, look, it is debatable because we haven't done the strata subdivision on those, but um, it's about a, it's 188% uh, return on capital invested. But even if we halve that and say a 90% return on capital invested, I don't think anyone would. It's not the worst thing you ever heard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then even on the Bundaberg one, which is uh, just recently settled, but because of the, um, the price that we got it for, it's a return of 46.6% return on capital invested. So it certainly has has done well on that front. Um, so I'm interested. So so now that you now you are thinking about, you're still tossing up like, are you going to go again and all of that kind of yeah. stuff? So by now we know, okay, whether we're going again or not, it would be nice to know, could we go again? So we know that what our borrowing capacity is and yeah. what we could go again for um, now. So we've already got that pre-approval basically there, ready to go. Um, so then as Charlie said, it's considering, because you do, you like we're all emotional beings, like we yeah. can be logical and straightforward and follow a plan, but there'll come a point, especially now we're this far into the portfolio and we um, have achieved, you know, some great results here. It's like, well, are we are we greedy if we keep going? Should we keep going? Like, Interesting. Is it, t- is it time to increase the lifestyle? Should we not increase the lifestyle? This is going so well. We should feed this business like more. This business could do with being fed more capital to mm. increase the returns and pay down some debt. So you go through. So we're, I'm sure we'll be back on another podcast in 12 months' time because we're about to learn a lot more from where we're currently sitting. Um, but I think this morning we, after considering all sorts of things, we're like uh, – doing going again while we can and while it makes sense and we're not you know our debt to income ratio is not too high and all those sorts of things like it's still manageable so we're leaning towards buying the next investment um Mm -hmm. while we can and while it's available does that make sense did i make sense then yeah, you just kept going and going. Okay. No, 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 no. You <laughs> made perfect sense and it was great. Um, so what – I know you kind of touched on it earlier, um, Bianca, about making sure you've got your, your shit together when it comes to finance, right? Um, aside from that, like what are the biggest lessons that you guys have learned through this whole experience? 
Uh, so I guess, yeah. So having things prepared, but then also like you can't, um, settlements could blow out. Um, numbers and things that you've been told might not be accurate. If you've got, if there's anything you need to follow up on. So understanding the loan product that you're getting. Slow, slow down, slow down. You jump it in. Boy. Go, go one at a time here. I think it's important because there's so many things we've learned. So many. Oh my gosh. Let, let's just start. Um, what, what do you think the most important thing to learn here is? What's your biggest lesson? Uh, I would say like having the pre-approvals sorted and mm. also fully understanding from signing the contracts of the sale through to settlement, what are the steps and who's in, who's responsible for what and being able to follow up on that and, and you know, manage it or understand it at least. Because mm. um, little thing, this sounds, it's a, not a, it's a big thing, not a little thing, but even getting, when you're doing multiple things at the same time as well, your mortgage broker, your bank or your conveyancer, you're not their only client. So they could get confused about, oh, hold on, how much cash is required for this settlement? Or how much <laughs> how much equity were we using for this one? Oh, did we submit that? Inc- like you can't assume anything. Like you really need to check things, especially when there's multiple balls up in the air. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, it's it, the buck stops with you. So you need to be prepared for all these things. Nice, nice. And what about, what about you, Charlie? What do you want to add to that? Yeah. I think the most important lesson I've, uh, gain from this whole experience is weighting the importance of the things involved in the process. So when I first got into this, I thought the most important thing was the property. I was like, and all that matters is picking the right property. That's the most important bit. Deeper into the journey, I realized that you really have to put some weighting into your broker. Like your relationship with access to capital is such a huge factor. And they're definitely not all the same. I thought brokers were a commodity. They are not. And then your accountant is also mm. not a commodity. And if you can't get those three pieces working together, you can't, even if you find the best properties, you'll likely not be able to get them done. So the team that contributes and making sure that there's the right people weighted with the right amount of resources is probably my biggest one. That's really true. Yep. Bro- mortgage broker, conveyancer, accountant. Buyer's agent. Well, yeah. well, I already knew you were important. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that was step one. That was the first one. That was, that was the most important yeah, yeah, one. That was yeah, step yeah, yeah. one. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so and what, what, what advice do you have? Actually, um, can I add one more thing there? It's yeah, actually, it. It's interesting because when you're buying, if you've bought your principal place of residence or you're choosing where to rent, like that's an emotional decision. Do I want to mm. live in this area? Do I like what the people look like? All these things. Charlie and I were really, we removed ourselves emotionally from all these purchases. We just got guy. We obviously built up trust in your process and with you and Gabby and the team yourselves. Uh, but we were really able to look at these numbers in a spreadsheet just like that. We were not trying to go, well, would we live in Toowoomba? And what sort of people are there? And all this stuff, we literally just looked at the research you gave us. Did the numbers make sense? Were we in a position to pull the trigger? Yes or no? We made all the decisions like that. So um, it really, yeah, it isn't a personal decision that you're making. You're engaging yourself to do that. Awesome. What advice do you have for somebody else who, who wants to, you know, who's thinking about getting started or is maybe, you know, wanting to achieve similar, similar outcomes? Like what guidance would you, what advice would you have for somebody else who is thinking about getting started? Spend the time getting educated. I know a lot of people say that, but I think that is the, although I have to put a grain of salt on that, I will say, I probably wouldn't have gone as hard if I knew things like I do today. Mm. I think there's a helpful amount of ignorance that will get you in the game. (laughs) But then past there, the education process makes it easier to navigate. So for anyone that wants to go the route we have with the uh, pathways we have, you really have to understand it to avoid emotional uh, points. Because we had many points where we got uh, hit from the side or were challenged in ways we weren't expecting and better education there from our point would have served us very, very well. So that would be my number one thing. And then the second one that I would say is that it is ignorant and foolish to think you can just do this on your own. Yeah. There are so many components and people who have specialized skills. Like I remember once, Goose, you showing me what goes into actually finding a location. And I, I remember just walking away from that going, wow, I'm just never going to do that. <laughs> it's, so I was like, okay. And then even to our broker, the same thing. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, is there, I mean, I'm, 
personally, I'm really impressed with with uh, with you guys having having not only had the opportunity to work with you, but also get to know you guys. Not a lot of people have the emotional fortitude, the the, the financial acumen and stuff to be able to see this through. A lot of people sort of will find their own friction, and what I mean by that is even though they can continue to move things forward, they'll choose not to just because it can feel a little bit, um, it can feel quite daunting, you know? So it's not, it's no mean feat to do what you guys have done. And it, it does take, there's a huge mindset piece involved as well. It's not just like, hey, can you afford to do it? Great, just go and buy more properties. There's a massive mindset piece. And it's been really interesting to see you guys evolve, both of you and and. Uh, and you know, and and you know, Bianca, you're taking this on and really starting to run it like a like a business as well, which is which is awesome. And seeing that development in both of you, I think, has been been fantastic. But it's required that you've had to grow as individuals to be able to do that. And I think that that's the that's something that I've noted noted the most. What do you guys uh, do? You guys have anything to add to that? It's really cool to hear that. I'll say. Yeah, it's nice because when you're the one stuck in it, doing it, and and um, you know, dealing with the the wins, but also the delays or the painful points along the way. It's hard to see that. Um, yeah, and I'm sure yeah. for everyone that does property, there's doubt moments, there's fear moments, there's greed moments. And um, I, I go through all of that. And at the end of the day, we're, I'm probably thrilled we've taken the steps we have. Like, I like to think we've done it as smartly as we could. Some people may say otherwise, but I'm thrilled with the approach and I've been happy, very happy with it. Awesome. Sweet as. Well, guys, it's been it's been awesome to to uh, to connect and to and to chat through all this kind of stuff and to kind of walk through this. And I think it's a really a really great example of what can be achieved when you are prepared to challenge your own beliefs, challenge your own structures, grow as an individual, you know, look to the facts and build the right team. Um, so I just want to say thanks for taking the time to to sit with me, talk through this. It's really great to get a bit of an idea around the timeline and how you guys have the thinking that it has changed from when you started, when you you know when you were first like just pay down the debt to like hang on a second now let's let's think about how we can scale this portfolio. It's been really awesome to walk through all that kind of stuff. So I just want to say thank you for that, and uh, I really appreciate your time and you guys uh, sharing this story with other people as well. My pleasure, Goose. Thank you for having us. Awesome, guys. We'll speak again soon. Hopefully in 12 Bye. months' time when we've doubled the portfolio again, we'll do another recap and see, <laughs> see how we go from there. <laughs> I'm not sure my hairline can take it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thanks again. See you soon.